Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. We're not done yet, church. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus up in here. Now, I said for Jesus, not for me. So I have to believe that God has been better to you than that applause. Can we put our hands together for Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the the one that's woke you up this morning? I think we give him like another 10 seconds of praise, just thanking God for what he's done, what he's going to do, what he continues to do. All right. You guys can go ahead and and take your seats. Jacksonville, it is is such a a blessing to be back home, be back at at home base. It's it's really good, man. I've I've heard it said on the streets that God is up to something here at Celebration. Is that that right? Did I hear accurately that God is moving and and doing some incredible things here for 10 people? Okay, I got to believe that God's doing more for some of us than just that. Pastor Drew, they're going to make me work for it today, huh? They're going to make me work for it today. It's okay. Um, I, am, I am truly honored to, to be with you guys today. It's, it's, it's a true honor. Every time I get an opportunity to come and, and stand on this platform, it's something that is, that is very, very humbling for me. You know, I, I, I never get to a place where I don't lose sight of where I, I came from in the sense that I remember the first time that I stepped into the doors of a celebration church and literally sitting on the back row of the church when we were at the Midtown location. Shout out to those of you who are up in the rafters. It's, there's hope for you. Um, but I remember coming and sitting in the very back row and being invited to come and serve. Just someone asking me if I wanted to come and serve on the ushers team. And as a result of me just saying yes to that simple invitation, um, being in, able to be in proximity of, of strong community and just kind of get connected to some other people at the church. Um, and as a result of that, I, I met some great friends here at Celebration. And I remember that moment when Pastor Soval and I just had like our, probably like our first conversation and he was walking by and he just kind of stopped and saw me and my family. He's like, hey man, like, like you have a blessed family. I see something in you. Something as simple as that. I, I didn't quite rise to the point where he knew my name. So it was like, hey man, you got a blessed family. I knew that I made it in celebration culture when he actually remembered my name. So praise God for that. He actually knows who I am. But, but at the time, it was, it was really humbling that he just stopped and said, man, I, I see something in you and your family, man. Just, just, just keep being faithful. And as a result of that, time continued to move forward. God has continued to open up doors and allow me to be part of some incredible things. Um, most recently would be the riot. Do I got any riot family in the house here tonight? The riot. So, so, so God has been doing some incredible things. But what's, what's, what's more important for me as I, as I talk about this time is just, just, just honoring our pastor. So would y'all help me as I honor Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry and thanking them for the vision that they have for this house, the wisdom that they have for this house, their unapologetic nature when it comes to pursuing all that God has for us and for you. I think we could do a little bit better than that. Let's give it up for Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry. We're so grateful for their leadership and all that God is doing in them and continue to experience as a result of their faithfulness. We love them so much, man. We love you guys. You guys can go ahead and take your seats, man. Things are going really well up in um, the D.C. metro area. God is really moving and doing some incredible things there as well. I'll be remiss if I didn't take a second, though, to, to acknowledge some important people in my life, if that's okay. I got to, first of all, shout out my beautiful bride. What up, girl? I see you sitting on the front row with your white pants on. I see you, girl. So, so Megan and I, we celebrated uh, 18 years of marriage um, about two weeks ago, 18 years. Um, 
But then even going back further, we've been together for 22 and a half years, um, known each other since ninth grade where she used to copy off my homework as freshmen um, because I'm a genius and she knew it. So she buddied up then knowing she played the long game. It was an investment. Um, but she was with me pre-Jesus and she still stuck around. So she saw something in me too. So I definitely want to honor my, my beautiful bride uh, just for being on this crazy journey with me. But then I also, everybody has an origin story. If anybody knows anything about cinema and superheroes, not saying that I am, but if I were, um, I'd be black man. Anyway, um, um, I do wanna make sure I acknowledge my mom. My mom is in the house with us today. Hey mom, how you doing? A woman of prayer, a woman of faith, just the one who's kinda got me on a straight and narrow path. And I also have my other family, my aunt, my cousins, my daughter-in-law, my daughter, like God is moving, so I'm just grateful that they're here with us. All right, let's get into this word and see what God wants to speak to us. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to join me in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. We're in a very interesting place in the, in the biblical narrative as it relates to Jesus and his, his mission and things that he's accomplished up to this point. And if I can be quite honest with you, I see some similarities as it relates to us as a church, considering all that God has been doing um, in, in the recent past. We look at the move of God that's been taking place here, and it's nothing short of a miracle. And, and quite honestly, if you can find yourself at this spot where it's like, so what's next? What, what do we do now? Like, we've, we've been experiencing revival. God is just doing some incredible things. We're seeing people get healed. We're seeing people get their breakthroughs. We're seeing all these powerful acts of God take place right here in our midst. What's What's next? And when we think about it, I can imagine the disciples felt very much the same way, considering they, they saw Jesus turn water into wine. They saw Jesus heal the, the blind. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Jesus do these incredible things. And it almost gets to a place where you could become like a spectator and be like, man, like, so, so what's next? What's he going to do this week? What's he going to do next week? And, and you're wondering what part do you play in all of that? Jesus being fully aware that he was going to have to give up his life and there was going to be this exchange of, of him ascending into heaven and the Holy Spirit coming. So in his genius, and his brilliance, he began to already pepper these statements to keep his disciples encouraged. He began to use these I am statements. Now the I am statements from the Bible were directly connected to the I am statements associated with the God of the Old Testament, which means that I am that I am. I will be what you need me to be. It's this self-existing powerful term that God will use in the Old Testament. So when Jesus began to associate himself with that. He was making a statement that I am pre-existent, that I am all that you ever need. So when he begins to talk about these statements, knowing that this moment that we're going to arrive to, he wanted to prepare the disciples so that they had the proper perspective. He, he said things like, I am the bread of life. You'll have a lot of other things that are going to try to, to fill you. They're going to try to meet your needs, but recognize that, that I am the bread of life. He says things like, I am the light of the world. You may, you may enter a dark season. You may enter some scenarios where you may lose visibility, but don't lose sight of me. I am the light of the world. He, he even goes and says that I am the door. There'll be a lot of options and doors that'll present themselves to you and things that'll try to convince you that if you go through here, that you'll get all the things that you feel like you want. But if you can just, if you can just come through me, the kingdom is available to you. I am, I am the door. He even goes as far as saying that I am the good shepherd letting them know that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try to lead you, a lot of voices that will speak into your mind, a lot of things that are going to try to lead you in certain directions. But if you can recognize that, that I am, I am the good shepherd. Just, just follow my voice. He even says, I am the resurrection and the life. There may be some things in your life that may die. There may be some setbacks. There may be some things that you may see on the surface and may feel that there's no hope. But recognize that death is not final when grace gets involved. I am the resurrection and the life. 
He then even goes on and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's, there's going to be some people that are going to try to convince you that there's some other ways that you can go. There's some things that you can do that hopefully can allow you to inherit eternal life. But if you can recognize that, just go through me. I am the way. I am the truth in a world that seems to modify truth at whims. He's saying if you can just recognize that I am the truth. And now it brings us to this final I am statement that he shares in the Gospel of John chapter 15. Let me, let me paint a scene for you. Up until this point, he's sitting with his disciples, what we often refer to as the Last Supper. And as he's sitting there with them, he's already washed his disciples' feet. At this point, Judas has already left the environment. He's already talked to them about the Holy Spirit in John 14. And then he introduces this last thought, and he says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that can produce more. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken unto you. Let me pause here for a second because I think this is something that somebody needs to hear in here today. There's, there's many of us that if we're, not, if we're not careful, we'll begin to believe that maybe my performance is the thing that, that validates my existence. Maybe, maybe if I do the right things, that that's evidence that I'm clean. But, but he says that you are clean because of the word that I have spoken unto you. You're not clean because of your behavior. You're not clean because you got it all figured out. You're not clean because you were raised in the right family. You're not clean because you never made a mistake, but you're clean because my word has done the work. Let me make this a little bit more practical for you. In the Gospel of John chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word of God. So in John 13, when we see Jesus washing his disciples' feet, we literally see the Word doing the work in cleansing the feet of his disciples. But wait, there's more. Here's the whole problem. This is the reason why washing the feet was so important, because the feet are an example of the places that we've been and where we're going, but it's also the environment where the past can cling to our presence and possibly bring stains into our future. But Jesus said, if you can just position yourself in a place and allow my word to do the work, then you will be able to walk forward knowing that you are clean because my word has already cleansed you. This is why when Peter said, Jesus, you can't wash my feet, he said, if you can only understand that you will try to work and operate in this place of performance, if you don't let me wash your feet, but if you allow me to do the work, it is there that you'll experience grace. It is there that you'll experience peace. It is there that you'll experience joy, not because of your performance, but because of the performance of Jesus 2,000 years ago on the cross, I believe that somebody in here needs to be encouraged and told that you are clean because Jesus said so. You are clean because 2,000 years ago, Jesus thought it was soft fit. He saw your sin. He saw your past. He saw your struggle. He saw your brokenness, and he died anyway. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. While I was in the midst of my struggle, Jesus stepped up to the plate. While we're in the midst of our brokenness, Jesus decided to make us clean. It's so important for us to, to get that principle. Jesus is making sure his disciples understand that before I go anywhere, understand you're going to make some mistakes, but you're already clean. Verse number four says this. It says, remain in me and I in you, just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it is on the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The ones who remain in me and I in him produce as much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Number six, if anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They, they gather it up, it is thrown into the fire and they are burned. But verse number seven, it says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce 
much fruit and prove to be my disciples. How powerful of a thought is that? That Jesus in his parting words with his disciples says like, God is glorified in you being able to produce fruit. God is glorified in your ability to be successful and not live as a peasant in the kingdom of God. God is glorified when he, you can clearly, he can point to you and say that this is my disciple. Jesus has woven in all of these I am statements and he uses the last one to make sure that in spite of all the things that we may experience, the importance of us just staying in him. Today, I just wanna to talk to us for the next few moments about our responsibility in cooperating with the grace of God. And I simply have entitled this message, In the Name of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your people, God. I thank you for this incredible church, God, and just our sensitivity to your spirit and what you're doing here, Father. It's not, it's not normal, God, it's unique. So Father, I just pray over the next few moments. God, I pray for open eyes that, that we can see you. Lord, I'm praying for open ears, that we can hear the truth of your word, Lord. And I'm also praying for open hearts, that we can receive the seed of truth, God, and allow it to transform us into whatever it is that you're gonna call us to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen and amen. I remember um, a couple years ago, I had a, an incredible opportunity to, to travel abroad and go over to, to London. In fact, I was able to go with our man of God on staff, Pastor Wayne Lanier. Pastor Wayne, I see you, man. Y'all give it up for Pastor Wayne, just behind the scenes, man, just a powerful man of God. Love him, love him dearly, a dear friend of mine. So a couple years ago, he actually told me like, hey man, we're gonna be going to London, man. You wanna go? Absolutely. So it all worked out. So as I began to kind of prepare and process what this journey was gonna look like, um, I had to research what would be the, the, the best way for me to stay connected to my family. We had just moved into a new home and, and, and I was leaving at a very busy time for the church as well as for myself. So I wanted to make sure that I had adequate things in place so that I could still communicate with the people that are back here in the States. So as I began to look at the possibility of maybe growing and getting one of those international plans, I was like, well, they don't seem to be that functional. And then I've also seen horror stories where people come back with $1,000 phone bills and I just don't need to talk to anybody that much. So I was like, okay, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a better way. Well, well, Pastor Wayne, in his wisdom, he was able to, to, uh, to, to grab and get like this, this, this little, little pocket-sized like Wi-Fi thing that was with them. It's like a personal hotspot. You buy it separately when you're overseas. They send it to your hotel and you just have it with you and it's on. And so it was perfect. So here we are in the streets of London and life is good. Life is really good. And as long as I was close to him, I was able to pick up the signal and we, everything was going well. I was able to text. I was able to FaceTime. Things were going really well. So here it is, we're, we're out and about one day and, and we get to the point where it's that, that day where we're gonna go out and we're gonna, we're gonna visit the sites. So we're going out, we're going to all the hot spots in London as you can imagine. We're going out to see Big Ben, taking pictures of it, writing deep spiritual scriptures under there like, man, God's always on time. Doing things like that, they're just really showing the activity of God as we're over there in London. But, but I, I wanna give you guys a little bit of insight into my character. I'm actually uh, an introvert who wears the garments of an extrovert. So at some point I hit a threshold where I'm like, Okay, we came to London, we took the pictures, I need to go back and decompress. Pastor Wayne, on the other hand, he's not that guy. He's the guy who wants to still be out. So he's like, man, I want to go out and I got to go back and purchase some things for my kids. I love my kids. I'm like, I do too, but I'm just not buying them nothing here. I'll order from Amazon cheaper and, and they won't even know the difference. That's why he's the man of God and I'm not. So... So we make this decision where he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna go and do a little bit more shopping. I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna go back to the room. We'll hang out a little bit and then we'll go out and get something to eat. Cool, cool. He gets onto the tube, which is their version of like their metro system. He gets onto the tube and I'm hearing all the, the talking and minding the gap. I'm aware of all that stuff. 
But it was in that moment, as the doors began to close, that I knew that I messed up. You see, I was now separating myself with the source that kept me connected. And so as the train began to drive away, it occurred to me that when I looked at my phone and I had the no service signal and I had no Wi-Fi anymore, that I had no clue on actually how to get back to the hotel. So now I am chasing after the tube, hoping that I can get enough of energy that I can get the information that I need to get back to where we once started. Needless to say, I wasn't that quick. And so the, the tube rides off and now here I am in the middle of the streets of London without a clue of where I am, not a clue of where to go because I distanced myself from the holder of the source. So as I'm sitting here in, in, in London and I'm looking around, like I don't wanna give it away that I don't know where I'm at. I don't wanna give it away that I'm a foreigner because I blend in really well there. So I wanted to make sure that I, that I, that I stayed connected. So I'm walking around and I don't want people to know that I'm looking perplexed in my face, so I'm keeping my head down and I'm trying to blend in the best that I can. And this guy came up to me because he just kind of saw me wandering. He's like, hey, do you need help? I'm like, good day, mate. No, chip, chip, period, God save the queen. I don't know why I started talking with a London accent. I just didn't want them to think that I didn't belong there. So I'm like, nope, everything is good. God bless you. Go Manchester United. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing everything I can to do to blend in. And now at this point, I'm starting to panic because I'm thinking of all the, the varying movies and TV shows and stuff that I know about London. I'm like, man, they never caught Jack the Ripper. He might still be out here in these streets somewhere. <laughs> like, I need, to, I need to figure out how I'm going to get home. Needless to say, I, I get on the tube. I ride around a little bit. I end up going right back to where I started from, confused, perplexed, frustrated, annoyed, and lost. I'm sitting there on the bench just feeling completely defeated, deflated. I don't want to ask anybody for any help. So I'm just sitting there on the bench and then I look at my phone and I see the Wi-Fi signal pop back up. And when I see the Wi-Fi signal pop back up, I just see Pastor Wayne walking down with his bag of gifts and trinkets and all that stuff that he was doing. And he walks up and he's like, hey man, have you, you been sitting here the whole time? I'm like, no, you, you've been sitting here the whole time. I went out and I toured the city and I've just been waiting for you. I didn't want to go back to the room without you because I knew you needed a chaperone. Um, but hey man, like I'm so glad that you're here. Here's, here's the thing though, here's the thing. I thought that I had it figured out. I thought that, that I had downloaded enough information that I no longer needed to stay connected to the source. So because of that awareness, because of that idea, I thought that I could survive and live in airplane mode. But the problem with living in airplane mode is that you end up living your life perpetually on a rerun when God wants to download a new thing. What I'm, what I'm thinking of with this church is that it's possible for us to come to church to have these radical encounters with God, where we feel and hear the Spirit of God move in such significant ways that if we're not careful, we'll kind of treat it like airplane mode. You'll download as many episodes as you can, but then begin to distance ourselves. I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't need to stay too close because I'm good, man. Like, my marriage, is, my marriage has been strengthened, I'm good. Man, everything's working out with my finances, I'm good. And if we're not careful, we can begin to distance ourselves from the source. I mean, when I think about the Apostle Peter, this man who, who was with Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry, this man who was part of the, the inner circle, this man that when Jesus even began to say, that mentioned the idea of his death, Lord, we will die with you. There's no way that I'm going to allow this to happen. Lord, I will never deny you. Going from that place to cutting off a man's ear to then denying Jesus. Think about that for a second. He denied Jesus in just a couple of sentences later. And when you read the scripture, you know what it says? 
when Jesus was carried away in handcuffs, it says, and Peter began to follow Jesus from a distance. What is the distance that we have allowed to creep into our relationship with God that now has shifted our perspective and is causing us to lose connection with the source? You see, what, what ends up happening is we end up doing things that are right in our own sight. Judges 21 says this. It says that the children of Israel had no king. They had no, they had no leader. They had no, they had no visionary person that was leading the charge. And as a result of that, and it says that, and they began to do what was right in their own sight. What are the things that we're doing that we've allowed distance to creep in and now we're kind of doing things that are right in our own sight? See, Jesus was aware that this conundrum was going to present itself. So as he began to, to weave in this, this idea of staying connected to him, he wanted to make sure that they had the adequate ingredients so that they understood that, that things are going to happen, that things are going to come and go. But the one thing that has to remain is that, is that you stay close to me. You see, when Jesus begins to introduce this whole idea of staying connected to him, he, he, he takes us to this place where he begins to, to talk to us about saying that I am the source I am, I, am, I am the true vine. What he was saying is, I am the true source. There'll be a lot of things that'll, that'll pop up that'll, that'll, that'll give you the impression that they can give you joy. There'll be a lot of things that'll pop up that'll give you the impression that they can give you peace. But if you can recognize that I am the source of all of those things, it'll allow you to walk with such a sense of, of grace in your life. But unfortunately, what ends up happening is we begin to look to other sources in the hopes that it's going to be the thing that can fill us up. Sometimes we look to our marriages, and now we're saying that if I can just get married, then I will feel fulfilled. Other people have said, if I can just get out of this marriage, I can be fulfilled. <laughs> Isn't it funny how the thing we pray about becomes the thing we're praying about? It's another message for another time. Um, if I can just get this job, then I will be fulfilled. If I can just finish this degree, then I'll be fulfilled. There's nothing wrong with having those goals, but your goals should not outpace your values. And unfortunately, when we begin to allow our goals to override our values, it allows us to create distance on things that God has never called us to allow distance to creep into. It's fascinating to me when I, when I think back to the many things that I've plugged into in an effort to believe that it's going to be the thing that's going to fulfill me. I recall going on a, on, on a missions trip um, one time, and in preparation for going on my, on my trip, I, I wanted to make sure that I had the adequate um, things that I needed to keep my phone charged up. So I looked online, and I, I saw that uh, the manufacturer sold the exact charger that I need um, for $59.99. The devil is a liar. I believe that God has given me other options. So I did what any good American would do. I went on to Amazon. I got Amazon Prime, and it'll be here within two days. So boom, I looked on there to see what I could get. When I, when I typed it up, I saw that I could get the same charger and a screen protector for $5.99. <laughs> Surely the Lord is speaking to us in this place. So I didn't even, I didn't even question it. Okay, boom, I'm going to get that. So I immediately get it, and I'm waiting for it to arrive, and it arrives. So here I am on the road, and I'm, I'm, I'm driving, and I plug into the cigarette lighter. I got my, my phone charged, and life is going good. I'm about six hours into this journey when I recognize that my, my phone, it has not moved one percentage point. It is exactly where it was, 55% six hours ago, six hours later, 55%. I wasn't streaming anything. I wasn't even playing my music. It did not budge one bit. And I was, I was perplexed by this because I'm thinking to myself, the package says 
that it was going to deliver. In fact, it said that it could take a phone that was on zero and charge it to 100 in two hours. So even though I was plugged in, even though I had all the things laid out that I needed, it did not deliver on its promise. What occurred to me is that this was a knockoff. As if the discrepancy between $59.99 and $5.99 was not evidence enough, <laughs> it was a knockoff. So now I was looking for an artificial source to do something that it did not actually have the internal mechanisms to be able to do. What occurs to me is that many times in our life, we're looking for these external forces to fill us up. But unfortunately, they can only maintain where they are, but they can't fill us and take us to the next level. What, what occurs to me is that there are many things that we are plugging into, and this is why God is saying that I am a filler, not a maintainer. There are things in your life that may be able to maintain your joy. They may be able to maintain your peace. They may even be able to maintain the level of happiness that you have right now, but I am a God who fills you and takes you to the next dimension of your calling and purposes in life. I don't want you to settle for half. I don't want you to settle for simply being maintained, but I'm calling you to be filled. This is why the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit fell, it says that they were filled with the Spirit. They weren't maintained where they were. They were filled with the Spirit. Paul even tells the church of Ephesus to be filled with the Spirit so that you don't walk in the corruption of the flesh. There's something about being filled because when you're filled, it allows you to fulfill what God is calling you to do. It's fascinating when I allow myself to get plugged into the right sources, how it fills me up and allows me to fulfill my calling. We even, we even see in Scripture with, in 2 Kings where we are introduced to uh, the, the widow, and the Bible says that she had very little resources, but she brought all of her empty vessels, and as long as she brought her empty vessels, the vessels were then filled. Here's what I want you to know, church. You can bring your emptiness, you can bring your empty dreams, your empty hopes, and God will fill them. No matter what your struggle may be, God will fill them. But we have to put ourselves in a position where we allow the grace of God to fill us from where we are to take us to where we're going. This is why when David says that I'm, my cup runneth over, after that it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That is what we call living in the overflow. In order for me to live in a place of overflow, I gotta first allow myself to be filled and not maintained. Many of you are maintaining depression. Many of you are maintaining sadness. Many of you are maintaining some things, but God is saying that I'm calling you to live in a place of overflow, but you got to allow me to fill you. There is still more oil for your marriage. There is still more oil for your job. There is still more oil for your family. There is still more oil available for your health. There is still more available for you, and all you got to do is bring your empty vessels to me and allow me to fill them. Don't withhold anything from God. Allow me to move in your finances. Allow me to to move in your marriage. Allow me to move in your mind and watch what God will do when we allow our emptiness to be positioned in a place where we can be filled because God still has more oil for us. There's still more oil, but we got to position ourselves in a place where we're not allowing these artificial sources to distract us from the thing that God wants for us. Jesus is telling them that I am your source. Stay plugged into me. Stay connected to me. There's going to be a lot of distractions, but stay connected to me. After he, after he establishes this idea of him being the source, he, he then moves into another place where he says, so I just need you to abide. I just need you to abide. Now that we've established that I am the source of your strength, now that we've established that I am the source of your hope and your love and the grace that's in your life, I just need you to abide. See, that, that word abide is it's powerful. It means to, to dwell, to stand, to, to stay put, to not move. It's a verb that insinuates action. But, but if I can be honest with you, the last thing that I feel 
when I'm standing still, is active. A lot of times we're looking around at the things around us and we're saying to ourselves, I need to move around in order to produce results. I, I, need, to, I need to do things in my own strength. But, and Jesus is saying, I just need you to abide in me. Connected to that word abide is resting. I just need you to rest in me. I just need you to, to learn how to stand still. Unfortunately, there's times in our life where it's so hard to do that because the way that life works is that it's kind of like reading the instruction manuals of an Ikea entertainment center. You read it, you don't understand it, and by the time it's done, you still got extra parts left over. How many times in our life have we read the instruction manual? We didn't understand it. We tried to do everything we were instructed to do, but when we look around, it still seemed a little bit messy. It still seemed like we had extra parts, like, like Lord, I, I did everything you asked me to do, and, and there's moments in my life where I feel as if my life is not cooperating with the Word of God. The instruction manual, was, it's been telling me what I should do and the results that it should produce, but I'm not, I'm not feeling it. And if I'm, if I'm honest with you, there's moments that I get anxious and I feel like, well, maybe I need to move. Maybe I need to do more. Maybe if I'm a little bit more active, then maybe that'll generate some more favor. Maybe if I, if I begin to think about what's best in doing things, what's right in my own sight, maybe that'll be the way that I can produce the results. That's, that's kind of what happens. It's almost like in the middle, it gets messy and, and it gets distracting. And if, and if we're honest, there's, it's almost like when you're watching your favorite movie and it just gets put on pause right at the climactic part. My wife has a, has a profound spiritual gift. And her gift is she has the ability that after watching a movie for an hour and 48 minutes and you're waiting for the big reveal, that that is the moment that she wants to have deep discussions about our finances and the future of our family. <laughs> it's, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a calling. It's a burden. <laughs> it is. And, and, and I, I remember, um, as a fan of the, of the Transformers franchise, me being excited about watching this film from my home. And my wife had been cooking dinner that particular day, and she has two different gears when it comes to cooking. One gear is, um, I've just got finished cooking dinner. Y'all can come up and eat it whenever you want. I'm going to go upstairs and keep watching Ratchet TV. Um, that's one gear. This, the second gear is, I just got finished cooking all this food. Y'all need to come up here and we're going to sit around here like a family. We're going to have a good discussion. That's the other gear. So on this particular day, she was in gear number two. Like, you need to stop what you're doing. We're going to have a family time. No phones, no screens, no everything. Okay, cool. So I'm watching the movie, and it's a scene that I've been waiting for. It's a scene that I've been anticipating the entire time. It's, it's the critical moment where, where, the, where the lead character, this, this robot that is in the form of a truck, and he's about to transform into his full form. It's Optimus Prime. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I want you to Google it, but after the message, because I need you all to focus. As she calls me, I pause it, I go upstairs, I, I choke down the food really quick, and I rush to come back downstairs. True story. Now, as I'm looking at the screen when I'm about to hit play, apparently when I hit pause, the transformation had already started. The moment has been ruined. I blamed my wife the entire weekend. But as I was looking at the screen, I'm looking at the screen, and because the transformation had already begun, I'm looking at a bunch of twisted metal. Like, I couldn't see where his head was. I couldn't see where his body was. I couldn't see where his legs was because he was in the process of transforming, but it stopped because I hit pause. And as I looked at it, I was like, man, this is a mess. This looks like a train wreck. It just looks like crumbled up aluminum foil. But when I hit play, 
The transformation had completed, and what once was a bunch of twisted metal had then turned into the hero of the story. What it makes me think about is that there's times in our life when we're in the middle and it's messy, that our lives feel like it's a bunch of twisted metal. And we'll look at the screen and we'll feel like our current state is our final state. But I'm here to encourage you that the Bible says that he who has begun a good work in you is going to complete it. And all you gotta do is let that thing play out. You may feel like you're a train wreck, but you're a transformer in transition. You're in the optimum season of your life and the prime of your calling, but all you gotta do is stand. Refusing to let go, you stand. Refusing to allow the adversary to convince you to leave from the where you are, you stand. Refusing to allow the evidence of your current circumstance to convince you that God's grace isn't for you, you stand. Having done all to stand, you stand. You're in transformation. You're in a mode that God is not done with you just yet, but you gotta continue to stand. When we look at the life of Abram before he was transformed into Abraham it was messy he lost his identity but he continued to stand and trust God and then Abram got upgraded to Abraham because he allowed himself to stand in the word of God I look at Jacob and the Bible declares with Jacob that he was at a place where he had ran from God his entire life and he was away from God but he had made this up in his mind he said I will not let you go until you bless me sometimes you just gotta say God I will not let you go until my marriage is fixed God I will not let you go until I get that promotion. God, I will not let you go until my family is saved. I will not let you go until we are healed. I will not let you go until I see the miracle. I will not let you go until I see the breakthrough. Lord, you said it, you started it, and I'm not letting you go until it's finished. We can even look at the children of Israel, and after they had left from being in bondage in Egypt, they were at the edge of the Red Sea. The past is chasing up behind them, and they had no clarity in sight. Now, if they weren't careful, they could have ran back into the arms of the enemy, then they could have went to the left or the right and ran into enemy camp, but they stood on the edge of the Red Sea, and Moses declared, stand still and see the salvation of God. The enemy that you see today, you will not see going into the future if you could just stand. I know the enemy wants to tell you to leave, but stand. I know the enemy wants to convince you that it will never get fixed. You stand. No matter what the adversary is whispering in your ear, you stand. I will not move. I will not be shaken because I am standing, and I'm going to see the salvation of God. God is going to move in my family. God is going to move in my marriage. God is going to move in my health. God is going to move. I am not going to move. I'm going to continue to stand. Sometimes you just got to stand. Sometimes you just got to stand. The children of Israel, they went into the Red Sea as a group of slaves, but they came out as a nation united under God as an army because they, they chose to stand. What are the areas that maybe you're standing in right now? It looks messy right now. It looks as if you'll never finish that transformation. Allow the word of God to encourage you. You stand still and let God do the work. And I promise you, you will see the results. If you want to produce the fruit, you stay close to him and you let that fruit be produced because of your faithfulness. You see what happens now is after Jesus establishes this idea that I am the source, there'll be a lot of things that are going to come after you to try to distract you, but, but I'm the source. I, I, I'm the one who's going to be your provider. I'm the one that's going to lead you into the light. I'm going to be the one that's going to lead you into the door, which is the kingdom. I'm going to be the one that's going to resurrect that dead, dead thing. I'm going to be the one that's going to be the shepherd that you can listen to. I'm going to be the one that's going to be able to fulfill all of your needs. I, it is me. Stay connected to me. After he establishes all of these things, he says, but stay put. Don't move. Don't allow distance to come in. Because much like we see with Peter, when we allow distance to creep in, 
it leads us to a place of denying. When I, when I, when I live a life that's distance from God, I deny myself from the calling that God has for me. I deny myself from walking in my purpose. I deny myself from walking in the fullness of all that God has for me. But if I stay close, I constantly get a fresh download of all that God has for me. There's a word that's in this text. It only appears three times between verses 1 and 10. But to me, it's, it's, it's some of the most powerful that is in there. And it's the word if. If. What Jesus says is, if you remain in me, you will produce fruit. Please understand this. This is not a salvation issue. By the grace of God, it is finished. Your, your, your sins are saved. Your, your sins are forgiven. You're saved. The if-then proposition that Jesus is presenting to us has everything to do with reproduction, has everything to do with producing fruit. Maybe there's times in our lives where we don't feel like we're producing fruit because maybe we didn't live up to our version of the if. Acts chapter 19 tells us a story about the seven sons of Sceva. And these men, they said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus that they are preaching. They didn't actually have relationship with Jesus. There was distance between them and Jesus. What occurs to me is that there's times that we're invoking the name of Jesus in situations that we actually haven't even made him Lord over. But when we say in the name of Jesus, it is not the punctuation at the end of a spiritual sentence. It has everything to do with our placement inside of the kingdom. I'm not saying in the name of Jesus at the end of a prayer in hopes that that's going to be the thing that accelerates it into heaven. I am saying I am in the name of Jesus. And because I am in the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus is in me. And because the power of Jesus is in me, I have a perspective that maybe other people don't have. I have authority that other people don't have. I have dominion that other people can't see because I am in the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus is in me. Just last week, I had gone to the mall and I saw what could consider to be the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. I saw this, this man from a distance and he had his hands lifted up, he was waving them, his body was moving, and then he fell onto the ground. Now, I would love to say that my pastoral instincts kicked in and I may have thought that the man needed some help. I would love to say that. That wasn't the case, I thought it was hilarious. I don't know what's going on with the guy. But when I came up closer, I'm like, oh, like he had these goggles on. So it turns out he had on like this, this virtual reality goggle that was like immersed him into this world. But when I saw him, Moving around and flailing his body, it was the most ridiculous thing I had ever seen. As I laughed at him, he was a little offended. He's like, hey, well, you, you put them on. I was like, okay. I put the goggles on, and now I was immersed in the world that he had just been seeing. Now, as I was immersed in the world that he had just saw, I had noticed that it was a part where he was like on a, a roller coaster ride. So when he had his hands lifted up, he was simulating the motions of the roller coaster ride. So even though my mind was telling me you were not on a roller coaster ride, I was so immersed in what I was seeing, my hands lifted up and my body started waving because this is how I move when I'm on a roller coaster ride. I don't know about you, but I'm into it. I was, I was into it. I was, I was moving with it. In the blink of an eye, it switched into another scenario where now I'm on like this tightrope. And like, it seemed as if the, the floor was going and you were gonna fall off into the internal abyss. So now I'm like walking and trying my, my best not to fall. People are looking at me and it looks crazy. Then after that, it then switches into like this war environment and I'm hearing all these gunshots and I hit the ground. 
Now, I'm aware that there aren't any gunshots. I'm aware that I wasn't on a roller coaster ride. I'm aware that I really wasn't walking on a tightrope. But because I had put on this perspective, I was seeing something that everybody else couldn't see. So my actions didn't make sense to them, but for me, I was simply responding to what I was being shown. What I truly believe is that when we are in the name of Jesus, the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places. And because we are seated in heavenly places, I have a perspective of things that maybe other people just don't see. So when they see me with my hands lifted up, they're wondering, why are you worshiping? There's no reason to worship right now. Your life is falling apart. You just lost your job. It doesn't look like it's going to work out. The business that you started did not successfully launch. But if you could see what I see in the name of Jesus, Jehovah Jireh is my provider. And I know that God is still working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. You may not understand why I'm on my knees in the midst of all the stuff that is happening in this world. But in the name of Jesus, I see unity. In the name of Jesus, I see peace. In the name of Jesus, I see breakthrough. You may not understand why I am still faithful to the house of God, even in spite of all the setbacks. But in the name of Jesus, I have been given a perspective of authority that you just may not see. In the name of Jesus, I see healing. In the name of Jesus, I see chains broken. In the name of Jesus, I see that the dead will come to life. In the name of Jesus, the lame shall walk. I'm not sure what you're looking at, but maybe you just need to upgrade your perspective and allow the name of Jesus to wash over your eyes and you can see things the way that God has intended it because in the name of Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. You may feel defeated, you may feel lost, but in the name of Jesus, I cannot be defeated because I am in the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus is in me. God's doing something. I, I, I love in the text in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, the Bible talks to us about this servant. He was out there with Elisha. And what the Bible says is that they were surrounded by some enemies. And as they were surrounded by some enemies, the man was like, what are we supposed to do? We're fully surrounded. What are we supposed to do? We just got laid off. What are we supposed to do? We got a negative report from the doctor. What are, what are we supposed to do? It doesn't look like the relationship is gonna be recovered. What are we supposed to do? All the things that we thought was gonna work out, it seems as if we're surrounded and it seems as if doom is closing in. The man of God wasn't, he wasn't shaken. He said, Lord God, open up his eyes. Lord God, open up his eyes. Allow him to see the activity of God. The man opened up his eyes and what he saw was he saw that those that are with them are more than those that were against them. This is what it means when it says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
What I want to let you know is that maybe you may feel that you are surrounded by the enemy, but I'm here to, I'm here to encourage you that greatness is inside of you because you are in the name of Jesus, and he who is with you is greater than he that is in the world. You are delivered. You are healed. You are free. In spite of what the adversary may say, you are powerful in the name of Jesus, but don't let distance come in. Don't allow the adversary to tell you that it's not going to work out, but you stay connected to the name of Jesus. Allow the power of God to move in your life, and when you see something that doesn't line up with his word, you say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this thought. In the name of Jesus, you got to get out of my home. In the name of Jesus, I will be healed. In the name of Jesus, my marriage will survive. In the name of Jesus, I will be blessed, because I am in the name of Jesus, and the power of Jesus is in me. With, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you guys to kind of have this moment with God. Maybe there's an area of your life where when you look at your environment, maybe it's messy. Maybe it's just like Optimus Prime in the middle of his transformation. Like, I'm not what I was, but I'm not where I want to be, and it just seems messy right now. If that's you, and you want to allow the grace of God to upgrade your perspective so you can see things the way that God sees them so that you have the, the strength to stand still. I'm gonna ask you to boldly come down and meet me at this altar right now. No count of three, come on down to this altar right now. If you know that there's some things in my life that don't line up with what God's word says about my life, I need God to, to give me a fresh encounter and fresh perspective. Come on church, they keep coming, we keep clapping. They keep coming, we keep clapping. They keep coming, we keep clapping. We celebrate what God is doing. Because sometimes just a single step is the very thing that's necessary in order for us to have that radical encounter with God that could change everything. As they're coming, I have another question. Maybe you're in here today. And if you were to take inventory of your soul, you would say, Keith, I'm one of those ones that, I'm one of those ones that if you really were to look at my life, I've plugged into a lot of different sources, a lot of them. And right now it is time for me to recognize that Jesus is my true source. So if you wanna commit or recommit your life to Christ, some of you may already be at the altar, some of you may still be out of the seats. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna ask you on the count of three just to boldly lift your hand up saying that yes, today is the day that I'm switching into the source that God has intended for me. I believe that something's gonna happen in this place right now. On the count of three, lift your hands up boldly to say yes to Jesus or recommit. One, two, three, hands up. Hands up everywhere, look at this. Hands up everywhere, look at this. Come on church, hands up everywhere, look at this. Let's celebrate what God is doing in this place. My God. I think there's some space over here, so if people need to still get down to the altar, we got some space over here. Here's what I want us to do as a family. I'm gonna ask that no one leave at this time. This is a sacred moment. In just a moment, we're gonna, we're gonna pray. We're gonna close out this moment. We're gonna have extended um, time at the altar for those that would love that. And at that moment, if, we'll give you instructions on when to leave. But we just wanna kinda seal this moment in. Just give us a couple more minutes. Here's what I want us to do. I want us all to repeat this prayer after me, helping along those who may be praying and, and confessing their faith in Jesus for the first time. After that, I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna go into worship. We're gonna have our leaders up here that can touch and agree with you. I'll be walking through here, laying hands on some of you guys. I just want you to know, to be encouraged that you are in Jesus. And because you are in Jesus, the, the power of Jesus is in you. But repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. 
I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the grave. And it's because of that belief that I am saved. Now fill me with your spirit and order my steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate with those who, are, who have just come home? Praise God. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to pray for those who are at the altar, those who are maybe sitting in their seats. But let's do this. Let's lift up our hands as a sign of surrender as we pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. God, you see every individual that is in this room. You see every hand that is lifted. And Father, in the name of Jesus, it's not something that we put at the end of a prayer, but it's a position of posture of power. In the name of Jesus, God, I'm praying for every person that is struggling with anxiety for it to flee, because in the name of Jesus, there is nothing to be anxious about. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that may be struggling with fear, because in the name of Jesus, we have nothing to be fearful of. So I command for fear to go. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you give us hope and you replace depression with joy in the name of Jesus healing is available in the name of Jesus for every relationship that is strained and struggling and the adversary has tried to convince us to give up I declare in the name of Jesus for reconciliation to take place in the name of Jesus I pray for every person that is sick everyone who is not well in the name of Jesus I declare healing because in the name of Jesus healing is in the wings and by his stripes we are healed father I come against every lie of the adversary and I'm believing for a move of your spirit, a move of your word. I'm commanding for freedom to break forth. I'm commanding for breakthrough. I'm commanding for joy. God, anything that's not like you, God, I pray that you invict it in the name of Jesus and you fill it with love. You fill it with grace. You fill us with joy. So in the name of Jesus, we declare victory. In the name of Jesus, we download everything you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we walk away knowing that we are more than conquerors because I am in Jesus and the power of Jesus is in me. So in Jesus name, do what only you can do. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.